everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host, along with none other than the Sunshine Boys themselves, Joe Henderson, and, of course, Ira Kaufman. And last night, uh, the baseball world decided that they were going to name Manager of the Year Award in the National League, and as Ira and Joe and myself all thought, it's exactly who we thought it would be. Joe, who was it? <laughs> uh, was it Kevin Cash? No, I don't. <laughs> no, no. Close. He was close. He was, I you think, know, 27th in the voting, something like that. Uh, something like that. A uh, little little surprise there. little surprise. I think um, I thought you would get uh, – Joe Madden would get bonus points for uh, – We should mention that Dave Roberts of the Dodgers got yes, the – Yes, uh, Dave Roberts won it. But I, th- I thought Joe Madden um, – would get bonus points for breaking the curse, but I guess not. And um, not really sure what was going on there. I, no disrespect to Dave Roberts intended, but uh, Chicago Cubs haven't won, haven't won since 1908. And it's not like the Dodgers were a small market overachieving team. I mean, hello. So um, we got to Joe. We got to remember, Joe. We got to remember that the vote was taken before the postseason. It was, um, yeah. But even even having said that, you know, to Joe's point, uh, the man won 103 games, Jim. Uh, uh, you know, and now uh, and he made the you know made the postseason last year, um, and followed up uh, with, with a 103 win season. So. Joe's right. With all due respect to Dave Roberts, they had a lot of injuries, the Dodgers. They did, including Kershaw. Um, I think Madden just got back to Tampa, Joe, yesterday. was his first day back in mm-hmm. town. Uh, I, I, You know, he's got a restaurant, gym in South Java. Uh, mm-hmm. He was probably there last night, guys, uh, when uh, when the announcement was made at, at, at 630. Um you know, and he figured uh, he would probably do some kind of a remote for MLB Network uh, from the restaurant and get good publicity. It never happened, Jim. Never happened. Well, he could always go on WGN and uh, talk about what ha- what didn't happen. <laughs> um, he could, he could, I don't know. He could come on the Sunshine Boys podcast. We'd be happy to hear him. I, I <laughs> You know, I, and you guys – uh, and, Joe, you were a member of the Baseball Writers Association for a long time. No, I am. Still am. Still okay. am. I, uh, this is with due respect. Yeah. The Baseball Writers Association, not all, but there can be some pit, pretty petty people in that group. And I think that Joe Madden has rubbed a few of them the wrong way, and I don't think that they wanted to give him something regardless because – there's no. Ira mentioned that it was done before the season was over, and that's true. Right. The Chicago Cubs were the best team in baseball during the regular season. You know, I get that. Yeah, did Dave Roberts have to fight his way through? You know, some injuries to get where they they got. Yeah, but you know, it's not like Joe, I mean Joe Madden had a team of of you know a lot of young kids on that team, and uh, and he was able to. As you say, come up with you know over a hundred wins. Um, I think in some regards there was some blowback there from Joe's uh, kind of you know interesting personality and uh, and to an extent maybe a little bit of blowback against uh, 
uh, against the the organization. You know, I don't know. Well, maybe you're right. Uh, go ahead, Joe. No, I was just going to say here's my guess on this, and I did not I did not have a vote in this in this mm-hmm. particular um, uh, cycle choice, but. I'm guessing that people looked at the job Dave Roberts did and they had injuries. They had, you know, a lot of obstacles to overcome and said, well, that's, that's more, uh, you know, more deserving than what the Cubs did essentially going wire to wire um, with a team that was expected to be good. And I, that's the unfortunate part of this is if you're expected to be good and you are good, then I don't think you get the credit you deserve because people say, well, you've had the best lineup. You, you should have won. But in a place, you know, like uh, Chicago, in, in a place like Chicago, the expectations for this season were unlike, I think, anything we've ever seen. And to manage that, which Madden did, I think says an awful lot about the job he did. That's a great point, uh, Jim, by Henderson. Uh, that, that's his first great point this, this year on a podcast, but i got to give him credit uh, because, Jim, let's look at Belichick in the NFL. I mean, the guy could win uh, – he could win coach of the year every year. The guy goes, uh, you know, goes 12-4. and four. It's a bad year, but he doesn't win it. The guy who wins it, Joe, is always the guy that goes 11-5 um, and five with, with a team that was supposed to go 6-10. Uh, and 10. Uh, and that guy wins it in the NFL. Uh, you know, the Bruce Arians of the world. Uh, Belichick, you know, doesn't get it. Goes, well, he's got Brady. Well, Jim, that, that's a problem because, um, you know, I think Belichick's the best coach of the modern era. Joe, you know, the best mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Uh, I'm not going to go back to the Lombardi era, Jim, like you do. But uh, he's the best. And uh, in the American League, by the way, uh, Tito Francona won. I believe that's the second time he's won it. Uh, He is a heck of a manager, gentlemen, Francona. Came darn close to winning it all, Mm -hmm. Jim. Yeah. Well, uh, you're not going to – Go ahead. Go ahead, Joe. No, you're not going to get any blowback from me, Ira, on the uh, Francona choice. I mean, he – He's a great manager, um, yes. but I, I, I would, res, you know, I respect the baseball writers immensely. I've, I've been, a, I'm a, now what they call a lifetime member, um, even though I don't actively cover baseball day to day anymore for a newspaper. <clears throat> and I know those guys take those votes very seriously. They, they're not just sitting there going, uh, you know, Madden was mean to me on one day, although I can't imagine Joe Madden ever being mean or, yeah, right. I don't like, all, I don't like all the gimmicks or whatever. Um, but sometimes, and I think it's true in this case, some of them overthink it. And, um, you know, I respect their choice. I respect the, the organization. Uh, had I been voting, I would have voted for Joe Madden. Okay, let's just take one real quick thing here. Okay. Dave Roberts okay. took over a team that had won three consecutive 
Western Division championships. Okay? That's right. With arguably right. the best pitcher in baseball in Clayton Kershaw. Yes. Okay? Joe Madden, you know, great expectations, but he was in a division that last year had three teams end up in the playoffs. He had the Cardinals and the and the Pittsburgh Pirates in that same division. Okay? So Joe Madden blows out the division. And trust me, the Cardinals and the Pirates were not bad baseball teams this year. Okay? And again, Dave Roberts did a nice job in Chicago. I mean, Chicago, in uh, Los Angeles, did a, a fine job with a, a, a team that lost Clayton Kershaw to, uh, you know, to injury and then came back. But I, I just, I, I, you know, if you're talking about regular season, it just doesn't make any sense to me how how he got it. And I, I don't, that's no disrespect meant to him at all. I think they were no. tired of seeing Joe, Joe, uh, Joe, I think they were tired of seeing Madden uh, walk off with the award. I think he won it twice uh, with the race. And um, this would have been number three. Uh, he's on, you know, he's on the way to a Hall of Fame career. He's not there yet, but he's on his way. And, uh, you know, again, give it to a guy who won 91 games. Uh, I think they did use an incredible number of uh, 15 starting pitchers, the Dodgers. Uh, as Jim said, there were a lot of obstacles. But in the end, you know, I, I'm not going to take points away from Madden because he had a very good baseball team. I'm not. Well, let's look at you know, try to try to kind of understand uh, a little bit. All right. Uh, Dave Roberts wins 91 games this year. The, the Dodgers win 91 games. And they lost uh, 28 players to the disabled list. Totally get it. But let's also be cognizant of the fact that they won the division in part because Ira, your San Francisco Giants collapsed. Thanks, Joe. Thanks. Thank you. I had to remind. Well, you got your shot in at me, my friend. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, I lie in the weeds and I wait. <laughs> but uh, you know, the um, I, I just I, the other thing. This is phenomenal. Uh, all right, Roberts got uh, sixteen first place votes. He was the only manager to be named on all 30 ballots because you picked three. How can you leave Joe Madden off the ballot? How can you do that? And and that's, that's just now, now for the listeners here, what, how this works is you have two writers um, from each league city, in this case, the national league. Uh, the, the, and they vote. And you vote for three, and it's 5-3-1. Five, five points, three points, one point. And, you know, you can... Um, and by the way, uh, you know, Madden was the manager of the year last year um, in the... Uh, okay, okay. For the, uh, you know, National League. But you can, like I said, you can make an argument for Dave Roberts, and this is certainly not to denigrate him in any way. But if you if you're trying to tell me that Joe Madden didn't deserve to be 
in one, two, or three on any ballot, um, I'm going to have a problem with that. And that's, that's, that's petty. And it's wrong. I'm, that's just me. Well, and Dave Roberts had never managed before. That's right. First year. First year. Okay. Um, big, big payroll, Jim. Big payroll in L.A. Great farm system. Uh, they also had the rookie of the year in, in Sager. That was a good choice. Mm-hmm. He's outstanding. Shortstop. Uh, we'll see what happens. You know, I, I guess Madden won it once, Joe, with the Rays, and then won it again last year with the Cubs. So he would have got it two years in a row. Maybe that was a factor, Jim. That could have been well, a factor. It could have well, been. Shouldn't be. Yeah. Shouldn't well, you're be. right. It shouldn't, shouldn't be, be, but it could have been. Uh, uh, it's kind of like Ira saying that uh, Belichick could win, you know, coach of the year every year. So you know, well, uh, including including this year, by the way. Uh, uh, although. Uh, you know, Jason Garrett uh, might be the, the the ringleader right now at uh, mm-hmm. at eight and one with an eight game winning streak. Uh, Joe, the Cowboys might be for real this year, Joseph. They might be. Oh, I don't think there's any question they're for real. That's a that's a really solid up and down the line football team. Um, they're doing this with with two rookies. Uh, yes. One under center in Dak Prescott, and of course Ezekiel Elliott, who I'm going to make uh, an argument that he is not just uh, the rookie of the year. He, you can say he's the most valuable player in the league. He has done exactly what he was supposed to do, what everybody said he would do when he was drafted by the Cowboys. And you know, I know that there's a a tendency in the NFL to devalue running backs and figure, oh, well, we can get one in the second or third round or whatever. But you get a chance to get an Ezekiel Elliott running behind that offensive line. And uh, to me, he what he's done has has made, made it possible for the Cowboys to be successful with Dak Prescott. If he didn't have Ezekiel Elliott back there as a threat, I don't think he would be as successful as he has been. Absolutely. And, Jim, you know, uh, look at the NFC East, Jim. Uh, yep. It just shifted the cycles of divisions in the NFL, which I think is one of the great things about uh, pro football. Uh, people were laughing at the NFC East the last few years. Uh, and now, Jim, that, no, no, that's four good teams there. Uh, yep. the, the Eagles aren't bad. The Skins are now winning close games. Uh, the Giants look like they got a defense again. They were they buried, uh, you know, they they buried their man uh, the other night, Andy Dalton. I don't want to rub it into Joe, but uh, I know Cincinnati's had some issues on the offensive line, but Giant pass rush looked very strong. And of course, the Cowboys. Um, it's going to be uh, Jim. You wouldn't be surprised if three teams out of that division make the playoffs. No, not at all. I mean. Uh... They're all solid teams, and uh, and the fun thing is that uh, you know we all know that there's all kinds of craziness up and down the I-95 corridor. They hate each other and everything they play, um, and uh, you know there's there's a lot of division games left, which I think is going to make it very entertaining. Absolutely, uh, 
the Redskins are surprising me. So, uh, they were, you know, they had a nice year last year with, with yeah. Cousins, and uh, they didn't give him the big contract. They wanted to wait. Um, I think he's played pretty well, guys. Um, the Skins are flying under the radar. They they play close games every week. Joe has a knack to winning close games, and uh, you know, John Gruden's brother uh, is doing a nice job, Joe, in, in the nation's capital. He's doing a great job, and I the the Redskins that that's a good football team too. You know, I I I would agree with you about uh, Cousins, and here's the thing: you do it one year. Okay, um, maybe it's a fluke, maybe it isn't. Uh, he's done it two years now, and uh, nobody in Washington is looking back and saying, "Man, I wish we had RG3." Uh, this this guy was he, the Redskins raised some eyebrows when they drafted him. Um, what was it in the third round, I believe? Mm-hmm. Um, right. The same year that they took RG3, and everybody, what are you doing? You know, two quarterbacks. But, you know, it's looking pretty shrewd right now. And um, very balanced team. I, I like that team a lot. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be a threat in the playoffs. They really – I think they're going to be there. Guys, there's a person who doesn't get much credit here, and he should. And that's Scott McClellan. Scott came over as the general manager from Seattle – and he has, you know, normally there's always drama around the Redskins, uh, whether it's you know, whether it's good drama or bad drama, it's drama. And um, one of the things that you haven't seen a lot of over the past two years is drama. And Scott McClellan has, has you know, gone out. He's worked very closely with Gruden to, you know, to shape a roster that you know, is competitive and, you know, filling in the blanks and doing all of the things that a good general manager does. And uh, he uh, he has been an integral part of the success of, of the rebuilding, if you will, of the franchise and, and getting things back to what is like an, a normal team and, and less away from the drama. And Dan Snyder has given him full, you know, um, full reign to do whatever it is that he needed to do. And Bruce Allen is still running the show as far as being the president of football operations. But uh, Scott's there and, you know, the day uh, Doug Williams is involved. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people involved, but Scott McClellan for sure has, uh, has put his stamp on the team. Well, Good you just point, hit Jim. it. You, you just hit it on the head there, Jim. And the bear, the successful teams, have a clear line of definition about who does what. And the one thing that they all have in common is a really good personnel man. And, you know, there is an art form to putting an NFL team together. And you're not going to be successful every year unless you're the Patriots. But you, you build through the draft, you build patiently, and you and you build with players who can fit whatever system you're trying to put in place, okay? And that's what they've done there. And I'll give, um, 
I'll give them credit for uh, kind of winning the power struggle uh, to put Kirk Cousins, you know, uh, turn the turn the team over to him. That wasn't an easy decision to do with an owner like Dan Snyder, mm-hmm. um, but it was the right one. And you got to be willing to suffer some slings and arrows along the way, uh, and believe in what you're doing. And uh, the the NFL being a copycat league. I would assume that what's happening in Washington is getting noticed and that uh, you will begin to see a move away from uh, the coach as the all-knowing, all-powerful leader uh, at this point and uh, franchise shaper. Ira, wouldn't you think that's true? Uh, Absolutely. And, and Jim, we're seeing it happen in in Tampa uh, where Lovey Smith, had final say over personnel, written into his contract. Didn't work out very well. Man won uh, eight games in two years, and he was dismissed. Here you got uh, Dirk Cutter uh, under Jason Light, and clearly Light is calling the shots in personnel. Um, And, Jim, wouldn't you know it, wouldn't you know it, after a blowout victory over a bad Chicago team, but still, a blowout victory, Joe, that is very rare by this Buccaneer franchise. Uh, all anybody wanted to talk about, Jim, was a player who didn't stand for the national anthem. Uh, by the way, Joe, their best player on the team by, by a long shot uh, this season. And uh, a player, Jim, who uh, quickly, very, very quickly backed off and issued an apology yesterday. You have to assume under pressure, Jim, because mm-hmm. Joe and I are down here in Tampa, Jim. You're not. Uh, there were quite a few members of the Bucks fan base, which is not overflowing to begin with, who said they were not going to attend another Buck game as long as uh, Mike Evans was going to continue uh, with his behavior. And you know that reached ownership, uh, you know, the pocketbook. And uh, things were quickly uh, changed from there, Jim. I'm not shocked about Evan's apology. Are you? No. I mean, it had to do with um, with Donald Trump being elected president. And, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where I, I just, you know, fine. You don't like who wins the election, uh, you know, it, it, I just don't see that that that's a sword to fall on. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's so tough. You know, to I mean, Colin Kaepernick comes out and says after all of these different you know things he's done that he didn't even vote. Yeah. So it's like, okay, wait a minute. You defend Kaepernick for you know for for his stand, and then you find out that. The one way to affect change in this country is to vote, and he doesn't vote. You know, it's, well, it's like, Mike Evans didn't vote either. And, no, he didn't. And, you know, you can argue uh, that uh, Evans and Kaepernick and all the rest were just ex- exercising their First Amendment rights. Right, which is fine. It's fine. Um I get it, and I'm, you're certainly never going to hear me argue against the First Amendment. 
but there's more to consider there than just making your protest. Um, the national anthem, particularly uh, last Sunday, which was Military Appreciation Day, right? Oh my Salute God! Yes. Yeah. And yeah, was. you're you're here in Tampa, right. uh, home to MacDill Air Force Base, Central uh, Command. Central Command. Uh, you, the, you've got servicemen and women. Uh, a lot of them are in the house. Uh, you know, it's a, a a day to honor. Mm-hmm. And now, in fairness to Evans, he didn't, you know, uh, draw attention to him. He just quietly sat, and if somebody noticed it, and it became a thing after the game. Mm-hmm. What a person, and this is just my personal belief, is okay. Show respect for the men and women in the, the armed service. Agree, don't agree with Donald Trump, you know, that's a personal choice, but there are better ways to express it than by <clears throat> essentially insulting thousands and thousands of, of people um, who would tell you that, like it or not, we are all Americans. Whether you, whether you voted for Trump or you voted for Jill Stein, we're all Americans. That's the one thing we ought to unite under. And then if you want to speak out against Donald Trump or, or whoever, that's perfectly acceptable. But don't don't kind of um, dump on you know something that's sacred to a to a lot of people. No. And Mike hey, Evans did. More, yeah, Mike Evans. Jim, one more point about Evans. Uh, and tell me here uh, if I'm off base, Jim. You've been in the business world a long time. Uh, isn't it a compelling factor? that he did it as a representative of the Bucks wearing their jersey uh, sort of in the workplace, Joe. I mean, if he wants to put a Clinton sign in his front yard on his own time, uh, that to me, that's different. But, Jim, he was an employee of the Bucks in that case. And um, they're all rules of the workplace. I just think uh, mm-hmm. you got to factor that in, too. No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. All of them. Kaepernick's a, a employee of the, the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, it's a, it's a more, perhaps a more liberal fan base in San Francisco. It doesn't matter. But the point being, you are absolutely right, Ara. These these players uh, are, when they take to the field and they put on that jersey, they are under contract to, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or whomever their employers may be, and when you make a statement like that, you're making it with, um, you're making it as a member of the team. Now, uh, NBA players who didn't like the outcome of the election made it clear as well, but most of that was done during shootout, you know, shoot-arounds during, uh, you know, not necessarily during the, the national anthem or at a time when uh, they're going to be seen on national television. Uh, the goal was to keep it a little, you know, low key in that regard. But you're right, Ira, 100% right that that whatever Mike Evans does with a Tampa Bay Buccaneers jersey on is a reflection of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, Joe, um, when we worked for the Tribune, Joe, the mm-hmm. uh, the glorious Tampa Tribune, 
may it rest in peace, Henderson. Uh, you know, we knew that, Joe, we knew that we represented the Tribune, and we acted accordingly. Um, and, and Joe, even uh, even in, in terms of tweeting and things, uh, we were very circumspect uh, about uh, keeping our views uh, private. Uh, at least uh, I always felt that way, and I think you did too. Uh, well, a lot, of, a lot really of people, yeah, a lot of people don't realize um, some of the rules uh, that we had to follow as as news people. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, you mentioned putting up a, a, a yard uh, sign for Hillary Clinton. We couldn't do that. We we couldn't have bumper stickers on our cars uh, supporting one candidate or one measure over another. We um, Ira, you wouldn't dare show up in the press box wearing a Buccaneer shirt or, right. or some kind of paraphernalia like that. Uh, do we have personal views? Yeah, we do. But because it reflects on your employer and the credibility of your company, you keep those views to yourself unless you know, like me, you're a loudmouth columnist, and you you you're, you, pick, you get paid for your opinions. But uh, you know, objectivity um, was was supposed to be uh, the one kind of the prime directive, if you will. And so, you know, if if it's it's a fine line for the NFL, because frankly, there's a lot of people out there who do agree with Mike Evans and Colin Kaepernick and all the rest. And, you know, oh, you don't want to offend them. What was it after Kaepernick started his thing? Didn't sales of his jersey skyrocket? Mm-hmm. Of course. So, of course. So so there's that, you know. So I guess the bottom line is, is do I really care what any athlete uh, feels about these social issues? Not really. I mean, no, no disrespect intended to them, but they're just because they're an athlete doesn't make them uh, an expert on social um, policy. They they can make their statement, and as as any other citizen can. But I'm not sure that anybody should pay any more attention to it than they would um, talking to their neighbor uh, down the street about these issues. I always go and back to Charles Barkley on that one. Charles said, "Don't look to, look look to me to be a role model, and don't look to me to be your uh, you know your political guidance person." Absolutely, um, Jim. You know, you Jim, you asked a question uh, a few weeks ago about uh, the Sunshine State uh, and the NFL, and and, uh, mm-hmm. and and which of the three teams is willing uh, is ready to emerge. Uh, the Bucks are four and five. They're, they're on the fringe of being relevant. Uh, the Jags are about to fire their coach at the end of the season, uh, Jim. But what what is going on in South Florida, uh, Mr. Williams, with your Miami Dolphins? Uh, they're not going to win the division. Uh, but if you know one of those AFC West teams happens to uh, falter in the second half of the year. Um, the Dolphins seem to have uh, straightened out a bit, James. Well, yeah, but I mean, I I don't know. I still think that they, um, I, I still think that, I don't know that Ryan Tannehill is going to lead them to anything. I mean, it's, uh, 
Uh, you know, uh, they, they, he's he's disappointed us in the past, Jim. He has. Yeah. He has. And uh, you know, they got a running game, which I guess they just accidentally f- fell into. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's not like they looked at it. They were, I mean, that 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 that's kind of a a tell for the coach when you he, you know all of a sudden the, you know your running game's clicking and you're going, geez, I wonder where this guy came from. <laughs> Well, think, yeah, uh, they wa- they wasted a lot of time there with, uh, you know, on on the ground game with they with when well, the solution was sitting right there all along. Um, that's right. And, that's right, Joe. You know, but at least they found it eventually. There you go. That's true. You know, though, guys, uh, it probably Ira goes to the point that you and Joe just made about organization, and that is that. Perhaps the Miami organization from Stephen Ross down is not as, um, you know, is is not as solid as one would hope it to be. I, I think I think you're right on, Jim, because uh, you know when when you're good for a long time or you're bad for a long time, mm-hmm. that goes to ownership, Joe. Almost always, I think. Always, always um, goes to ownership. And, and I'm no big fan of Stephen Ross, Joe. I think he's a a, a, a billionaire blowhard. How do you like that for alliteration, Joseph? Ooh, uh, that's not well, bad. Uh, I, I wouldn't say he doesn't want to win, uh, but almost like the Glazers, Joe, um, they don't know how to win at, at this point. Uh, poor coaching choices, poor direction from the top. Uh, I am not a believer in the Dolphins organization, Jim. I'm, I'm with you on that. Well, the, the biggest, the biggest thing. Now, you you mentioned when you know the uh, the role owners play in a team's success. Okay, you look back at at what the NFL is all about. It is a socialism league where everybody. It is designed to let the teams on the bottom uh, who are struggling this year have a chance to compete next year. Uh, it, it is purely designed to keep anybody from being bad for as long a period as, oh, I don't know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been bad. And when that doesn't – when you are repeatedly down – uh, at the bottom of the standings, you're missing the playoffs year after year. It's because either your owner hired the wrong person or people to to put the team together, or the owner lacks the patience to see it through. And that is the biggest issue, in my opinion, confronting the Bucks right now. They're not going to be a playoff team this year. Now, they might wind up, you know, with – Maybe they can avoid double-digit losses, which, you know, right. yay, <laughs> that's exciting, you know. Um, but maybe that maybe they can do that. They've got, what, seven games left, and they're sitting there right. at uh, – uh, yeah, they're sitting there four and five, so they've got seven games left. And they – that would be a baby step. But what, what – you know, I heard some speculation on the broadcast the other day. Said, well – you know, Bucks don't don't get it together. Is is Dirk Cutter's future in jeopardy? Good grief! <laughs> Good grief! 
Stop it! <laughs> yeah. What is it? Has it come to the point in Tampa Bay where if you're the head coach, you can't send your laundry out? I. It's getting pretty close. It's getting pretty close. You know, Jim, uh, the irony, uh, Joe, the, the first two coaches that the Glazers hired, you know, one lasted six years, uh, the other guy lasted seven. So, yeah. you know, what, what's going on now in Tampa where uh, you're not giving you, you guys a, a chance to, uh, to develop? Uh, it's really been a big change here, Jim. Absolutely. Hey, you guys want to talk about something um... – I thought it was interesting, and that is uh, the college football rankings. I know we've had the playoff folks on, and all of a sudden, the Big Ten has dominating the college football rankings, the, the ones that came out yesterday. Alabama's number one. Ohio State jumps from five to two. Michigan State at three, and they lost. Clemson State at four, and they lost. And Louisville, Washington, Wisconsin, Penn State, Oklahoma, Colorado, Oklahoma State, Utah, the top twelve there. It's, yeah, uh, the, the 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 Big Ten. That was an eyebrow raiser to see both Ohio State and Michigan uh, in the top three. Although you can make an argument certainly that it's justified, and but it's not going to last because mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed this, but Ohio State and Michigan still have to play. Right, <laughs> and one of one of them's gonna one of them will go away, and w- and what's what's even more interesting about this is there's a really good chance that even if if the Buckeyes went out, mm-hmm. and that they're not even going to be in the Big Ten championship game, that right. that will go to Penn That's State, right. who who is I think eighth in the rankings right now. Right. So, so what you're saying, what the committee is saying is, yeah, we know, but we still. And we know Penn State beat Ohio State, but we still think Ohio State's better. I happen to think Ohio State's better, too, but these things usually get decided on the field. And uh, you're looking, uh, just glancing at my handy-dandy college football playoff rankings here, four Big Ten teams in the top eight. Mm-hmm. Um, Ira, where is your beloved SEC in all of this? Huh? Uh, where did the they go? Uh, the continued slide, uh, Jim, of the SEC, uh, you know, as, as uh, recently as, as a year or two ago, everybody branded the SEC as the, the Cadillac uh, of college football. Uh, they, you know, they are now the Kia uh, of college football. Uh, Would Alabama now, transfer to the Big Ten? <laughs> I mean, they're still now, top. now, guys, correct me if I'm wrong here, mm-hmm. but if Penn State wins out, and beats Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game, mm-hmm. uh, there's no guarantee, gentlemen, that Penn State gets into the playoffs. No. Uh, it's up to the, even it's up up to the playoff those, people. Yeah, yeah, because, uh, Joe, if there's any chance to get Ohio State into that Final Four over Penn State, that that's what's going to happen. And... Uh, it's it's weird because, as you said, Joe, Ohio State, good chance they don't even play in the conference championship game uh, and, and still get picked over the team that wins the conference championship and beat Ohio State. Um, none of us are going to be surprised if Penn State is, uh, is sitting by the sidelines uh, under that scenario. Uh, absolutely not. And... 
there will be a there will be an outcry over this, particularly if um, you know Penn State. Let's just say they finish fifth, can you, and they win the Big Ten. Can you imagine right. that they're how bonkers they're going to go uh, in Happy Valley? But um, well, they would have beaten you know, Wisconsin. <laughs> we'll assume it's going to be Wisconsin. They would have beaten Wisconsin and Ohio State. Yeah, but they have two. And, they have two losses, Jim. They have two losses. Well, they, if they I, I mean, yeah, I agree. I understand. Um, I think that's that's the uh, that's the wild card. Uh, that's the trump card, Joe. That uh, that the committee will use if they keep uh, Penn State on the sideline. That they that they lost me, twice. Well, and and it's a good trump card. But let me ask you this question: um, Where does uh, Louisville? fit in this scenario because i think last week i i I dismissed them out of hand and just said yes you know they're they're not going to get in i may have been premature because i think actually they're they're sitting in a pretty good spot at number five and here's why if one of one of the two ohio state or michigan is not going to be in the playoff Mm -hmm. whoever whoever loses that game is going to fall out well, all Louisville has to do is just keep winning, and they're not going to be in the conference championship game. Clemson's going to be there, and uh, barring something just totally unforeseen. So you would have, at that point, two ACC teams in the playoffs. And I think, I think to me, that is the more likely scenario at this point. And wouldn't you just love, to see Louisville slide in at number four and play Alabama in the first round and uh, watch Alabama try to contain that offense. That would be one – that would be must-see TV right there. Well, and Clemson Absolutely. would be Ohio State. That wouldn't be a bad game either. No, I, I'd watch <laughs> for sure. Uh, but uh, I'm, a little, I'm a little surprised, Joe. I'm a little surprised that Louisville – uh, a couple of times this year against, uh, I think, mediocre opponents, uh, haven't they haven't looked that good a, a couple of times. Um, you know, and they played so great against Florida State, played a very good game against Clemson. But, Joe, when you, you know, Wake Forest or whatever, and all of a sudden, you know, you're squeaking by. I'm a little surprised a couple of times uh, that, that Louisville's uh, had some mediocre performances. Well, the the one that you ought to be putting that label on too is Clemson, because yeah, they are yeah, a missed yeah. they're a missed chip shot field goal at the end of the North Carolina State game away from being uh, a two loss team, mm-hmm. and so uh, you know you can say that about a, a lot of teams uh, uh, in in these rankings that there's a lot of parity out there. Wake Forest isn't a bad team. Now they they couldn't bang every week with Clemson or or Louisville. I mean, but they can get up and play one, you know, respectable game against them. The same way with the uh, Pitt going in and and beating Clemson last week. Uh, it's you just can't take a week off uh, in any of these Power Five conferences, and I think we're seeing a result of that. So the only team that looks invincible at this point is Alabama. Um, but they've got, they've got some work to do yet too. They're going to have to, 
it's going to be a tougher game for them to beat Auburn probably than it will be to win the, um, you know, the uh, SEC title against perhaps Florida, uh, which, which can't score and, and, uh, or whatever. But, um, you know, Auburn, uh, now Auburn got nicked last week or they would have been in the playoff conversation. So uh, I love it. Uh, but I do think that we're seeing the groundwork be- with all this parity start to get laid to to expand the playoffs eventually to eight teams, especially if Penn State is sitting sitting there at number five and left left hanging. So, you know, starting the playoffs with four teams didn't solve anything. It just created an appetite for more, more fun. One quick more thing on the on the uh, on college to put a bow on it um which one guys do you think makes it to the power five champ you know out of the power five makes it to the one of those bowls either boise state at nine and one or undefeated western michigan ten and oh at the point well it's going to be tough to not put an undefeated team in there um now you you can make the argument that western michigan's you know plays in the mid-american conference and that's you know, that's, that's hardly a, a power league, but um, they're intriguing, and they've got some some players who are going to be drafted pretty high next year in the NFL. So um, at this point, I would say, you know, uh, Western Michigan, but who who knows? I want to give some uh, Jim. Let's give some props to Boise State's program. Yeah, uh, they turn out some good pros. Uh, Joe, am I right that uh, Doug Martin, proud uh, yes. proud alumni uh, right here in Tampa, uh, Pro Bowl running back. Um, that's that's a heck of a program. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, they do a they do a very good job in Boise State and NFL scouts. Uh, you know who like programs with a pedigree mm-hmm. uh, of producing you know good NFL players. Uh, they flock to Boise State. Uh, with eyes wide open, uh, because of uh, of their history. So I gotta give their I gotta give their program props. It's it's first class. Ask Oklahoma. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> they they still know how to do the Statue of Liberty play. But, uh, yeah. No, I would I'm, like to let, see me, let me make there. one let me make one small quick point here. Sure. Um, talking about teams outside the Power Five. Um, which would be uh, the uh, University of South Florida Bulls. And since we are on the Sunshine Boys and should talk about the local teams. Of course. I would, I would submit to you that if you took uh, running back Marlon Mack, quarterback Quentin Flowers, and receiver Rodney Adams, take those three players and put them on the Florida Gators, the Gators are undefeated at this point and would be – we'd be talking about them as a playoff team. And I will stand by that statement all day. I wouldn't be surprised. Nicely said, Joe. Nicely said, Joseph. Quentin Flowers. Quentin Flowers is as exciting. I know know, he's not in a bonded power five league or whatever, Um, but he is as as exciting and explosive a, uh, a dual threat quarterback as there is in the country. And, and I say that knowing the competition out there from 
places like Louisville and Clemson and so on. Um, because he plays at USF, he's not getting the kind of national attention he deserves. But that guy can play, and he could play at any level, and um, he's got a chance to play on Sundays. You know, I know the Big 12 is the is a P5 conference, but I think the AAC is just as good as the Big 12. I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, if you go back to when Houston just throttled Oklahoma to start the year, and now Houston's going to going to certainly not make the even the AAC uh, title game. Um, you know, they've gotten beaten up in their own league a little bit. It's a really good league, and um, you know they uh, they are very their teams. They're, they're, if you're a Power 5 team, you're going to want to probably avoid playing uh, AAC teams going forward because there's a pretty good chance you're going to get beat and it's going to cost you uh, in the football playoff rankings. wonder My how team. much longer Notre Dame will play Navy. <laughs> wonder how much longer Brian Kelly will be coaching Notre Dame. <laughs> I don't know. Where's Jerry Faust when you need him? Uh, anyway. Yeah. Okay, boys. Uh, final thoughts in social media. Let's go with uh, Ira Kaufman. Final thoughts on football this week. Anything gonna, that uh, piques your interest that you want to take a look at and see how it plays out? Well, I want to talk about uh, your Tampa Bay Bucks for a minute, uh, uh, Jim. Um, okay. Look, they uh, they might have salvaged their season, but in retrospect, Jim, all they might have done was beat a bad team with a bad quarterback in Jake Cutler. Um, the Buck pass rush looked good, much better last Sunday. Now they go to Kansas City. Joe, you talk about a team that's under the radar. The Chiefs have won like 17 in their last 20 regular season games. They're unbeaten at home. Arrowhead's a tough place to play. Jim, this is a time for the Bucks to make a statement. They haven't beaten a good team since opening week at the Georgia Dome. And, and since then, they beat Carolina, the 49ers, and the Bears. Uh, nobody's, nobody's impressed with that. So let's see what they can do. They're seven-point underdogs. Joe, uh, we got the wake of the Mike Evans uh, fiasco uh, coming in on Sunday. Uh, if they lose, Jim... They're four and six, and they're out of it. If they mm-hmm. win, they're very relevant uh, with Seattle coming to Ray J. So, to me, my spotlight's right on the Buccaneers and Jameis Winston, and let's see if they can uh, back up a, a, a win against a bad team with a win against a good team. Cool. All right. And your social media, Ira? Social media, Twitter, my man, at iKaufman76. Cool. All right, Joe, what you going to be watching? Well, um, the Ira's points about the Bucks are, are well taken. But um, I'll tell you what, I want to I want to give a shout-out to an absolutely sensational basketball game last night between Kansas and Duke. And it goes down to the wire, two powerhouse teams, 77-75 Kansas with a, a jumper with like two seconds left uh, to give Kansas the win. Uh, there, uh, you people will, 
be focused on other, you know, on the, on the big football games right now. And I get that, you know, especially with, uh, you know, Thanksgiving coming up and all the, the, the great showdowns that we're going to watch. But uh, that game last night was a reminder that uh, you don't have to be playing a game in March for it to be a terrific basketball game. And uh, I love college basketball and uh, very excited to see it get started again. You can find me on Twitter at J Henderson Tampa, T-A-M-P-A. Hey, to your point, uh, Georgetown blew a, t- a nine-point lead last night, like the Maryland, <laughs> and lost by one point. So, yeah, it's already well, – you, you, Yeah, the other night you had uh, Wagner yeah. uh, beating UConn. Right. So, and, and you had uh, another, another game last night nobody was paying attention to, but your SI cover boys on their college basketball edition, the Oregon Ducks, Went down by 17 to Baylor, yeah. 66-49. So well, the only go. prediction that I can make, I think, this week that um, that will stick is that the University of Florida Gators will not lose to LSU on a fake field goal. <laughs> there you go. Uh, unless Miles isn't around, we don't have to worry about the fake field goal. But beyond that, I don't know. It'll be a fun. It'll be an entertaining game. Hopefully they'll win. We'll see. But next week we'll talk about it. Thanks, of course, to Joe Henderson and to Ira Kaufman on this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host. We hope you enjoyed it and join us next time. Thanks very much for your time.